my best friends cruising down West End Street. Hiding from cops and driving circles around the block all week. Now all of my friends die out on West End Street. They say we're born to die young, but we're just trying to live in peace. So maybe heaven is a ghetto with no bad blocks. Shangri La dealers at the bus stop, and maybe God is just a cop that we can fast talk. So if you're guilty and you know it, put your hands up. Hello and welcome to the Friday edition of Four for Fours of the Most Accurate Podcast. As you can tell, Anthony Stalter is not here. My name is John Paulson. Uh, Stalter is not here. He missed uh, Monday's podcast due to his daughter falling ill. Uh, I'm happy to report that she is feeling much better and she is not the reason for his absence today. He had other plans uh, today. So we brought on a friend of the pod. Uh, I don't know if this is his fifth, sixth appearance on the podcast, but uh, 444's director of DFS. Uh, you know him as TJ Hernandez. I know him as Tickles. Uh, TJ, how are you doing today? JP, what's up, buddy? Uh, good, just gearing up for for week fourteen for the for the fantasy playoffs and and uh, obviously DFS. But uh, we're we're kind of in the home stretch here, so it's 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 exciting, but it's also kind of bittersweet because that means the season's almost over. Yeah, if you haven't been listening to the DFS podcast that Four Four has, the most valuable podcast, um, it's loaded with good information. TJ's on there every week with uh, Holden Kushner, and uh, he had, he digs up stats and finds trends that are uh, can be used in uh, redraft as well so we're happy to have him on here uh on the redraft pod so i'm gonna throw some curveballs at you today see how you do all right uh the music today uh a band called houses uh the, the track is called fast talk it's making its way around alternative radio it's like i'm addicted to this song right now listening to it at least two or three times a day uh houses is actually mostly dexter Tor- tortelio i'm gonna get i'm gonna get tweets about mm-hmm. his pronunciation there um he's also known as dawn golden that's another side project if you like this track you might want to check out dawn golden's track um all i want from 2014 great little indie pop uh two songs there for you so i want to name our winner for the uh t-shirt contest thanks thanks to the 20 people that uh gave us favorable reviews um on on iTunes, uh, I did a random number generator just so you don't think I'm playing favorites. But Mama, Mama Cass in Colorado, you have won a free 444 t-shirt. They're super comfy. Go ahead and email support at 444.com. Let them know that you uh, won, and uh, we will arrange to get a t-shirt to you. So thank you, Mama Cass in Colorado, and everybody else who gave us a positive review on iTunes. Uh, we're going to start with uh, some news that... I guess broke Sunday. I didn't talk about it on the solo pod because I didn't want to drone on and on and on on the solo pod about uh, my feelings about uh, Mike McCarthy being fired mid season. There's some hot takes about whether or not that was appropriate. Maybe uh, TJ can comment on that. We're also going to talk about some uh, injury updates, get into the Thursday night football game and talk about some seeky starts. So let's start with that. Mike McCarthy being fired. What's your reaction? Are you surprised that they, the Packers uh, fired them? I fired him in season, or did you expect him to to last the season and get fired on Black Monday? 
I mean, the the way the season has been going and the way this team has been playing, I, I don't think it's a surprise at this point. Uh, it, it's interesting to see what will happen because Joe Philbin will be taking over and he doesn't have the, the greatest track record himself uh, running offenses. But uh, you do have Aaron Rodgers and and I think at, at the very least uh, give this offense some more creativity. That's what has been lacking the most from it. Uh, it it's It's been very predictable how they're going to throw the ball and where they're going to throw the ball. It's not that they haven't been. They're near the top of the league in terms of um, uh, neutral passing rate, but it's it's been outside the numbers and, and not a lot of um, high percentage throws. So I, I, I think if we see that change, that will be uh, that will be the most obvious thing to look for and hopefully seeing a better offense down the stretch. Not, I, I'm, I'm not sure that, that even if they win out, they can make a playoff run, but... Uh, it's a fun offense and, and one that we care about a lot for fantasy purposes down the stretch still. Yeah, I don't think they have some players there. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers is, is great. Uh, he has not played up to his usual standards this year. Uh, I think a lot of that has to do with just the relationship with Mike McCarthy faltering and the trust is maybe gone or maybe just the belief in his system is, is gone. And, you know, they, they hired Joe Philbin and made it sound like he might be auditioning for the for the job and that is quite worrisome yeah. uh i'm I, I i tweeted uh that please let's not go back to the 90s to uh or actually that was about mike shanahan <laughs> that was the other rumor let's not go back to the 90s trying to uh you know find somebody to lead yeah. us for the next uh decade uh here i the only guy i wouldn't mind that's more maybe older is bruce arians because i always thought he was a really good offensive mind i think he's got the um maybe the uh personality and the attitude that could uh work with with Rodgers although he is um a big personality I think that would actually work well because uh, I think Rodgers would respect him uh so I'm interested to see who they end up going with um Josh McDaniel's name has been thrown around he took the Colts job and then backed out last minute so that's always a, a danger with him uh Todd Monken is somebody's name who's I brought up a few times just as a good offensive mind I'd like to find somebody who's creative that can uh you know, free up these receivers and uh, give Rodgers a better offense to work with. They have a good running back, a decent offensive line. Uh, when the defense is healthy, uh, they played better this year. Uh, I think this is a playoff team talent-wise and uh, if everybody's healthy, and that's obviously a big if. But as far as them firing him in season, I thought that was fine. I mean, maybe you handle it a little bit differently where you're like, you know, it's time to part ways. Do you want, how do you want to, do you want to say this is mutual? You know, how do you want to handle that? But they just basically said he was fired. And um, I, I think being a lame duck coach and knowing you're going to get fired uh, all of December is more painful than being fired in, you know, early December and having a month to sort of process it and move on with your life. Um, so I don't know the, Jay Glazer was on the, the radio with Colin Coward and they were saying, or he was saying that it was, the firing was not well received across the league and they didn't think it was fair and all that, but um, I didn't see any problem with it. But Yeah, I mean, you you can kind of see it just watching this team. It's been one of the most dynamic offenses in the past few years and, and to see them kind of sputtering and, and the frustration specifically from Aaron Rodgers, it's, it's I don't think it's a surprise and um it's it hopefully it's like i said a catalyst to to get this this offense going again it'll be really interesting to see right off the bat how joe philbin uh manages this backfield because aaron jones has been great uh but then all of a sudden we saw 
him and Jamal Williams get almost a 50-50 split last week, and it'll be interesting to see how that adjustment takes place this week because they're facing a, a Falcons offense, a defense that has been very bad, but all of a sudden they have Deion Jones back, and, and if they adjust for that properly, that, that Falcons rush defense all of a sudden looked serviceable with Jones back last week uh, against against Gus Edwards' uh, sub four yards per carry after averaging over five yards per carry in his first two games as a starter. So that will be uh, one interesting to think of while everybody else is kind of focused on the passing game. Yeah, it'll be interesting. It's like uh, Rodgers unleashed type mm-hmm. of an offense. We'll see what happens. It may just be another disappointing outing for this team. Anyway, uh, let's talk about some uh, injury updates. Uh, one big one that happened this week, Emmanuel Sanders, uh, non-contact, uh, torn Achilles injury. Uh, Cortland Sutton obviously gets a, a bump here in terms of target share, likely target share. I'm wondering if the Broncos maybe wish they hadn't traded away Demarius Thomas yeah. at this point. Um, but what do you make of this uh, receiving core now that uh, Sanders is gone? Um, it's it's not great, obviously. Um, Case Keenum has, has been uh, mediocre at best this year, but uh, Emmanuel Sanders has been the key cog in that offense. Corlin Sutton is a player that the industry was high on coming into the year, and we expected to see an uptick in, in usage for him when Demarius Thomas got traded. But the unique thing about the wide receiver position is when you lose those targets, it's it's not like a running back where it's next guy up and they, they get all of those targets automatically. Uh, sometimes they're they're distributed just to other players or even other positions. And, and that's one thing that I think we could see happen here. Uh, maybe the backfield getting a little more involved uh, with with Philip Lindsay and and no one's talking about Devontae Booker's been getting some looks and he's good out of the backfield in the passing game. But most importantly, uh, Sutton's going to stay on the outside. So we'll probably get to this a little bit more in a little bit, but uh, who moves into that slot position? Because Case Keenum has a history of wanting to throw to the slot. And this is the first year that Emmanuel Sanders has been lined up as a primary slot receiver. And he's been very effective there. It started trending that way last year and finally came, uh, came full force this year in the slot. So that might be the most important thing that comes out of this. Is it, uh, is it Deshaun Hamilton? I don't think it's going to be Sutton, uh, their third receiver. Uh, his name's slipping my mind right now, but who moves into the slot might be the most important thing. Yeah, the third guy is Tim Patrick. I'm looking Tim at the Patrick. depth chart right now. And he's effectively, I mean, he he's effectively a rookie. This is his mm-hmm. first year of getting any stats. But, I mean, he, he, I think he graduated in 2016 mm-hmm. from Utah. Um, I know you want to talk a little bit about Deshaun Hamilton later, so let's just save that conversation for later. Uh, I just am marveling at the fact that they're basically starting three rookies now. At this, yeah. point. I, don't, I can't remember a, a, a receiving core that's this has been this ex- inexperienced in recent years. Um, a player that is is on his way back looks like he's on his way back. It's a big deal for fantasy purposes because the Chicago offense is kind of sputtered without him Mitch Trubisky uh looks like he's going to play this week what do you what do you make of his impact on the offense against a a Rams defense that um is from a fantasy standpoint not bad they score some points fantasy wise but they're they're definitely a a defense that we've been targeting um playing against because the uh, offense does so well and teams have to pick up the pace and, and run a lot of plays against them what do you make of this Bears offense with Trubisky back in there well, it's it happens to be he he's coming back against this Rams defense that has been um, especially bad. Their secondary has been especially bad. They have a keep to lead uh, back now, but I, I don't think he's he's one hundred percent yet. Marcus Peters has 
uh, been one of the, the worst corners in the league. So the way to attack this team is through the air, assuming that you have the offensive line that could hold off their pass rush a little bit. Uh, so Trubisky coming back, they're go- going to be able to attack that one person that I'm really looking at is Anthony Miller because he's been running so many deep routes and that you, you can uh, get behind the secondary. But another impact that that I think it will definitely have is on Tariq Cohen because so many, uh, so much of Cohen's value has come through the passing game and those short targets. He's seen 22 targets over the past week with Chase Daniel in there. With Trubisky in there, he, we've obviously seen him and Cohen have very good games together. The problem is that when those plays are busted, when you might dump it off to the running back like Daniel has, Trubisky will take a lot of those plays and scramble with them. He's so good being mobile that uh, we we I would expect to see a sudden drop off from Cohen. He's still good, still a play that I want in PPR leagues, uh, but I don't think he's going to be that double-digit target guy that he's been the last two weeks out of the backfield. Yeah, I was just looking at Cohen's uh, game log. Three one-catch games mm-hmm. for Cohen with – uh, Trubisky in the lineup. Of course, one of them went for seventy yards and a touchdown. Yeah. <laughs> so. And that's and that's why you want him because he's he's going to give you that explosiveness. But uh, I, I I just don't think that he's gonna be the floor play that he's been the last two weeks. Yeah, he has uh, along with those three one catch game. He also has uh, two seven catch games and an eight catch mm-hmm. game with with yeah. <laughs> Trubisky. So it's just been with Cohen. His workload's been all over the place. His usage has been all over the place with Trubisky in the lineup. And then lately, uh, nineteen catches over his last two games uh, with Chase Daniel in there. The other uh, Chicago Bear I wanted to talk about, well, Taylor Gabriel also, I think, gets a little bit of a bump with Trubisky. His his reception share was 21% with Trubisky, 19.4 yards, uh, and 10% of his touchdowns from Trubisky through the first, I guess it's 10 games or 11, yeah, 10 weeks, uh, or 11 weeks to 10 games. Uh, the other player that has really been suffering, I think, from Chase Daniel's insertion is Trey Burton. Yeah. Um, I think he gets a bump here. I mean, this tight end is pretty much a, a wasteland when it comes yeah. to talent-wise, but uh, so you can't really count on anyone other than the first few guys. Uh, but Burton, you know, 16% of his receptions from Trubisky, uh, 17% of his yards, 25% of his touchdowns. Maybe he gets involved again, and this is not a bad matchup against the Rams. I think they're 23rd in just a fantasy points a lot of the tight end position. Uh, probably a, a game where the Bears are going to have to throw the ball more than they would otherwise. So I think he's, I don't think he's a safe play, but I think he's uh, certainly a better play than he was with uh, Chase Daniel at quarterback. Um, Joe Flacco possibly back this week. What do you think? Uh, Lamar Jackson going to get another start? Uh, it, it sounds like even if even though Flacco got some practice in that that Lamar Jackson's going to start. Uh, the the thing that worries me here, if if and when Flacco does come back, um, if it is this week, I think it's especially bad because even though for for Gus Edwards in particular, because even if uh, if if Flacco's back. Uh, they're going to face a, a tough game script against a Kansas City offense that's obviously very good, but uh, their defense has given up a fair amount of fantasy points to, to to running backs. But the thing that Lamar Jackson does is, because of his rushing ability, really opens up those lanes for Edwards as well. And he's a guy that, that I think benefits from that. Um, not Probably not the shiftiest guy, not one that's going to get a ton of work in the passing game. And if, uh, if he is uh, subject to game script concerns combined with Flacco in there, uh, that could really spell disaster for, for a guy that's been pretty good uh, since he's taken over the last few weeks. 
Yeah, 17 carries, 23 carries, 21 carries last three weeks. Zero catches in every game. So mm-hmm. uh, if, if you're worried about the, the Ravens falling behind in this one and what they do, when they do fall behind, um, Edwards, it's a little scary. That's why I'm a little, I'm a little, I think I'm a little low on him in my rankings because I'm, I'm worried about the game flow situation. Uh, Melvin Gordon, uh, probably not going to play this week as of uh, this morning. He hadn't practiced. Um, I'm interested to see what he does today, if anything. Uh, but I think we're headed towards a, a committee with Justin Jackson, Austin Eckler. Uh, Justin Jackson was actually your sneaky start this week. Yeah. We're going to talk about him here. Uh, I still think Austin Eckler will be significantly involved. I think that this Bengals defense is terrible, and you can start both of these guys, and they're probably both produced because uh, the Bengals are just that bad. What do you think? I, I agree with you. Uh, if I'm... In the fantasy playoffs, especially if I am, if I'm the underdog, someone that just snuck in and and I need a flex, and for somehow I'm I have the decision between both of these guys. I have both these guys on on my team. Uh, I like Jackson because I think he has more upside than than Eckler. Anthony Lynn's comments on the situation were just a little concerning this week. He mentioned Eckler being. Uh, being a little bit worn down, he went mm-hmm. out of his way to to specify that Eckler's a guy that he wants on special teams, which isn't something that uh, is usually uh, coincides with what you talk about with a, a starting running back. And even though Eckler did uh, double up Jackson's touches last week, we saw Justin Jackson gain 82 yards on his nine touches compared to 43 for uh, Eckler. Eckler's more involved in the passing game, but uh, assuming that the the spread suggests what actually happens in this game, that the Chargers end up winning by 14 or even more, uh, then they might not need that heavy passing usage out of Eckler. Uh, the Bengals, like you mentioned, we ranked them last in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed. They're averaging uh, over 30 touches from opposing running backs per game mm-hmm. and 5.9 yards per touch. So there's definitely a situation here where we see both of these guys get 15 touches. Maybe both of them get into the end zone. And, uh, I mean, we've seen it before where you don't need a running back to have 70% touch share in a situation like this. They can be 50-50 down the middle uh, and both exceed 15 fantasy points. Uh, Anthony Lynn did mention getting uh, Detrez Newsom involved as well. Uh, so that can throw a wrench in things. But, again, if, if that is, I think it's because they're trying to rest Eckler a little bit more. I believe we have Jackson projected for a couple more touches right now. Yeah, if they're if they're worried about Eckler being worn down, then you, the the Chargers are up twenty one points in the second half. You mm-hmm. can, can see a you could envision a scenario where he's not touching the ball much in the sure. uh, in the second half, but maybe he has his points in the first half. Uh, I'm just looking at Eckler's game log. He had the game against Tennessee where he was the uh, you know Gordon missed and he was the primary back. Twelve carries for forty two yards. Uh, he had five catches for twenty six yards. Uh, you know the yards per carry not good there. Uh, and then last week had a chance to get the start 13 for 21 in the, in the running game. Again, five catches, 22 yards as a receiver at 1.62 yards per carry. So the two chances that he's had to really, um, get double digit carries other than the 11 carry 77 yard game against Buffalo in week two, uh, he has not produced, uh, a high yards per carry, although it's on the, on the season, it's 5.18. So maybe if he gets that eight to 10, carry range and Jackson's getting the 15 to 17 carries against this uh, bad Bengals defense that Eckler's uh, 
efficiency will rise a little bit and sure. we'll still see him involved in the, as a receiver. Uh, I think Jackson's a really good play though. If you uh, are desperate, uh, just want to pick up a guy off the waiver wire, you're getting an RB two, I think against this bad, bad Bengals defense. Uh, Isaiah Crowell uh, last we saw missed Thursday practice with a toe injury. Is there any upside with Elijah McGuire uh, this week against Buffalo? Uh, Buffalo's just been, been so good against running backs and, and, really just on defense period and uh they they're in a situation um where they're that backfield just hasn't produced much like we like uh crowell has been getting a a decent touch share uh 34 percent of team touches over the last month but uh it it is isn't a situation where i think elijah mcguire automatically just absorbs all those touches and and uh just not a a great um, game situation uh, for them at all, so it's it's a backfield that I've kind of been avoiding all year to mm-hmm. begin with, and now that you're you're kind of mixing up injuries and and uncertainties there, it's it's one that I'm I'm probably continuing to avoid. Yeah, maybe uh, certainly from a DFS standpoint, where you have a, a, a choice of who you deploy in a given lineup. Yeah. Uh, if you're in a redraft and you're just desperate, I think McGuire, if Crowell is out, McGuire sure. and Cannon. Um, probably split the work, but McGuire getting has been running ahead of him. Uh, 13% of the snaps for Cannon last week, and the week before it was 14%. McGuire uh, playing 54% and 36%, seeing seven touches in each game. I think he probably jumps to maybe 13 to 15 touches sure. against Buffalo, and they're really tough to throw on uh, yeah. as well. So we shall see. Uh, a few wide receivers. I'm going to run through these. Uh, if you want to, I'm going to run through all four and then we can kind of talk about whoever you want to talk about. T.Y. Hilton back at practice, uh, but he's going to be a game time, game time decision. Uh, it's an early kickoff against the Texans. Uh, somewhat optimistic, says uh, Frank Reich. Uh, so we'll see if he's out there. Deshaun Jackson, not expected to play against the Saints. I'm Excited to talk about uh, Chris Godwin and Adam mm-hmm. Humphreys here in a moment. Uh, Julio Jones says he will be ready to go. He didn't practice uh, Wednesday or Thursday. We'll see what he does on Friday. Uh, it sounds like he's going to play. We're getting into that area. I just want to touch on it that of the season where teams that are out of the playoff hunt and the Falcons certainly qualify if their star player or a starter is dealing with a nagging injury that would uh, is you know you're risking further injury. Yep. They may just shut them down. So you just have mm-hmm. to be cautious and pay attention to to practice participation and uh, and all that. Uh, especially be prepared on Sunday to make a switch mm-hmm. if they decide to make him a uh, inactive. And then finally, Sammy Watkins setback. I know you love Kelvin, but <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> uh, Watkins is going to be out seven, four to six weeks. The the Chiefs signed. Kelvin Benjamin. So I just want to talk about these uh, wide receiver situations. Anybody you want to talk about uh, heading into week 14? Uh, I, I think the I, I just kind of want to comment on something you said that down the stretch, one thing to look at, not only those injured players that are uh, not that are on teams that aren't in the playoff hunt anymore, but also those teams that aren't in the playoff hunt. Uh, kind of take a look, and, and this can this can be a, a tiebreaker sometimes in the last couple of weeks. Take a look at those players that have incentives coming up, because even if they even if they are out of it, um, if they maybe need a hundred yards in a game to get another five hundred grand, that that could be something that to note in your championship week. Uh, the one that I am really interested in here is Sammy Watkins out. Uh, Kelvin Benjamin. I'm, I'm assuming that's more of a depth thing. It's not uh, that this <laughs> offense is, is so good, and, and they have so many players 
years. I don't think he's necessarily going to make a dent. Chris Conley is the guy that I'm really looking at if, if you're looking for, for a deep play here because Conley, he, he, he just missed a couple really big plays uh, and a lot of it had to do with with Patrick Mahomes missing the throws last week, but he was targeting him downfield, and he's a player that isn't going to get a lot of attention paid to him. Obviously, you have Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey, who are the focal points of that passing game, but that's going to free up Conley, and, and we could see him have a couple of big games down the stretch here. Yeah, 15 targets for Conley over the last two weeks with Watkins out, uh, 10 catches, uh, 99 yards, three touchdowns combined those two games. Uh, he has previously not done much with opportunities like this in the past, but now you've, you know, you're getting 15 targets or you're getting 7.5 targets per game in this offense. Um, that's great. Uh, yeah. God, I just want to get back to God. I just like talking about Chris Godwin and how I have him on every fantasy team. He's the only <laughs> player I looked. I looked at and realized I had him on every single one of my managed uh, teams and uh, started him last week. My son even has him on his like neighborhood league. Uh, it's just hilarious that we have him everywhere, uh, but it's finally paying off and we can start him with confidence. I've got uh, both Godwin and Humphreys ranked as wide receiver twos this week against the saints. Uh, the defense probably focused on Mike Evans. Mike Evans might have a bounce back game uh, though against the saints uh, in terms of uh, fancy points allowed to wide receiver is not real good. So uh, Love that Deshaun Jackson, and I hate to root for injuries, but I love that he's sidelined right now, and we get to see what Godwin and uh, Humphreys are doing. Uh, Hilton, I think, will play. Julio, I think, will play. And, uh, yeah, I think Conley's the play in, in Kansas City, not Kelvin Benjamin. I, I Whenever I see Kelvin Benjamin's name now, I think back to the story that uh, Josh Allen said that uh, he, you know, early in the season, he <laughs> before the game, he asked... Benjamin, if he wanted to work, you know, go out and work on routes, and Benjamin's like, "Nah, I'm good." <laughs> so <laughs> that's a really good story. Yeah, it's a, that's that's kind of how the season's gone for Kelvin Benjamin and the Bills passing game. Uh, Eric Ebron, uh, moving on to tight end. Eric Ebron back at practice. Looks like he's going to play. Uh, Evan Ingram. I'm interested to hear if you have any thoughts on him. Decent, maybe dart throw type, you know, streaming option at tight end at this point. I think this is. A, a reminder for folks heading into the season. I don't think I was very high on Evan Ingram. He had a great rookie season, but that was largely because uh, he was just getting so many targets due mm-hmm. to all the injuries at the at the receiving core for the for the Giants last year, yeah. specifically Odell Beckham. Coming into this year uh, with a pass catching back like Saquon Barkley also soaking up targets, it just was kind of obvious that Ingram wasn't going to have the same type of uh, impact that he had as a rookie, and it, it really hasn't gone his way, although they did start to get him, if I remember correctly, before this last injury, they were trying to get him uh, some targets. I'm pulling up his game log right now, trying to stall as I do it. This is what a great host does. Uh, nine targets against Washington before the the uh, the bye. Five, five catches, 25 yards, and a touchdown, playing 89% of the snaps. The four for 46 on five targets in Week 10. And then I think he was uh, injured in that Tampa Bay game. He had two two catches on two targets for 66 yards. So there was some production there last three games uh, from a tight end standpoint. He's not he's not terrible. Uh, how com- how comfortable would be you be rolling him out this week? Uh, <laughs> in the middle, but it's 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 such a double edged sword because I'm not comfortable with him in isolation. But like you mentioned earlier in the podcast, the the tight end position is so shallow that if you have somebody like him, that you you uh, 
there, there just aren't that many other options unless you're going to go really deep. Washington is seventh in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to opposing tight ends. Uh, we don't know how healthy he's going to be coming off, um, coming off of a, another injury. And it's the, the concern is that this offense is just uber concentrated on two players. Odell and Saquon Barkley see so many of the targets and so many of the touches that nobody else is really reliable. And it just uh, Saquon himself is getting nearly 56% of the touches over the past month. Uh, Odell absorbing his normal 25% to 30% target share. There just isn't much left to go around in an offense that isn't very dynamic in a game that I think is just going to be very slow paced and, and think about the, what they have going on on the opposite side. Mark Sanchez, he's liable to turn the ball over three or four times. And all of a sudden this game is, is just uh, over at, at 24 to, to three. And we don't see an opportunity for uh, anybody to, to continue scoring in the fourth quarter. Yeah, you mentioned the the offense so focused on two players. I thought Sterling Shepard might have a chance to emerge with Engram out, and it just hasn't happened. I, I like Sterling Shepard, but just not. I mean, he hasn't cracked 10 points since week 10. Uh, he hasn't cracked 15 points since week 7. It's just uh, PPR points. It's just a sad state of affairs for Sterling Shepard as well. Uh, some rare kicker news. I won't ask you to comment on this, TJ, but Graham uh, Gonneau, he has a knee injury. I believe he's out this week. They signed... Chandler Kedanzaro to to kick. So if you have Gano, uh, you need to be in the know. Uh, <laughs> and <laughs> that's terrible. Uh, get a new kicker if you have him. Uh, let's touch on the Thursday night football game uh, that destroyed my running back rankings this this week. Uh, Derrick Henry, forty seven point eight standard fantasy points. Uh, I just wanted to put this in perspective. He had more standard fantasy points than. Marcus Mariota, Cody Kessler, Leonard Fournette, D.D. Westbrook, who scored a touchdown and had 80 yards receiving, Corey Davis and Deion Lewis combined. Um, it kind of came out of nowhere, I would say. The Jacksonville defense obviously gave up or got cooked or whatever coming into the short week. But coming into this game, they had only yielded 202 total rushing yards to opposing running backs in their last four games and allowed zero touchdowns in that span. So it's just one of these matchup didn't matter in this one. Uh, maybe a point to the the Thursday night game, uh, home game for for Henry. Uh, national television got juiced and really ran the ball well. What do you what do you make of this game? And anything you want to say fantasy wise about these two teams? Uh, it's it's not something that I'm going to 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 take into future weeks in the fantasy playoffs and assume that Jacksonville is is a matchup we all of a sudden target with our running backs and also one that I'm I'm going to assume that Derrick Henry is one that I want to start in my fantasy second round of playoffs or championship but uh the the only indicator we had is there there was suddenly a 60-40 split uh the week before uh, in Henry's favor, which I believe is the first time we've seen that all year. Maybe it was in week two or three that he had more touches, but uh, even then you just can't assume that this is going to be a situation where this Tennessee backfield hasn't produced much for you against Jacksonville defense that, that has been um, very stout. Just overall, uh, you, you couldn't see it coming. And I, I guess maybe you, you might take away that, Jacksonville's kind of given up. Uh, the one thing that, that's going to happen with Cody Kessler's at quarterback is they're going to be uh, open to, to some very bad game script, and, and that was obviously the worst game script that could have happened. So it's it's um, 
you could put your defense in some bad situations and some some short fields, which can result in more touchdown upside and touchdown equity. But uh, this team wasn't tackling last night. Um, we we saw the the flop from uh, from the cornerback, which was which was hilarious. Uh, very a, a soccer flop. Uh, that was Ramsey, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah just... Ramsey. So I mean, stuff like that. It's like what are, what are the Jaguars even doing at this point? Well, I I, I tweeted. I, I saw it happening on Twitter, basically all the, all the touchdowns and, and the big runs and everything. Um, I saw the reaction basically, and I finally turned it on, and they were getting a goal line stand on the Titans, and they were celebrating like they just won the Super Bowl. And I was <laughs> yeah. thinking to myself, they, I mean, you just stopped the guy from getting his fifth touchdown. Right. Like I don't know that you need to be like doing the you know incomplete signal after you <laughs> right. <laughs> hand gesture after you after you do it, just run off the field or whatever. But um, I just take a moment to think about if you're a Derrick Henry owner that somehow survived and made it to the playoffs and you kept him on your bench for this game, or if you're a Derrick Henry owner who, I mean, he was, he's been pretty terrible all year. I mean, he was under six fantasy points for his first six games standard um, and PPR. So just dreadful. You're probably starting off with losses there. If you started him um, and then, let's say you drafted him and then you had the foresight or you were stuck and you had to start him this week and you get the 46 points out of it. It's just fantasy football is an amazing game. If, if you can convince me that, that you played him and <laughs> not out of desperation, I will buy you your choice of IPA. Anybody that's listening. <laughs> Our uh, fearless leader, Josh Moore had him on his bench this week and, uh, which was the right thing would, to do. Yeah. Well process, right? Uh, let's talk about a few sneaky starts. I asked TJ to bring his own sneaky starts and uh, your first sneaky start, I don't think you understand what the, for the term sneaky start means, but your first, uh, your first sneaky start is a quarterback by the name of, is it Tom Brady? Is Tom that Brady. his name? And, and let me preface this, why, why Tom Brady <laughs> is a sneaky snar- start. Uh, a couple weeks ago, Tom Brady was taken off, off most major sites. He was taken off of uh, can't drop lists. Uh, we currently mm-hmm. have him ranked outside the top 12. Um, so he's, he's droppable. We have him ranked outside the top 12, uh, and it's the playoffs. So we, most leagues don't even have 12 teams playing anymore. So, uh, there, there is, uh, probably a lot of teams that snuck into the playoffs, um, that spent decent touchdown equity on Tom Brady that may be scared to drop him, but might've been streaming around him, uh, with, with another quarterback. And, and it's very feasible that you could be in a situation right now where, where you're, trying to choose between do I start Tom Brady or, or I don't, Lamar Jackson. Like that, that's a very possible uh, thing. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I think this is a bounce back spot for Tom Brady because if there's it, – it's been amazing that Tom Brady has been so bad of late because he's actually had usage that would suggest um, actually decent fantasy scoring. Uh, and this is a situation that sets up very well for him to have that bounce back Tom Brady-like game. For for the most part, this is the first time we've re- we've really seen uh, a fully one hundred percent healthy uh, Patriots offense. Now they have Rex Burkhead head back. Uh, Gronk obviously isn't the old Gronk, but uh, he he has scored in the last couple of weeks, and he's at least on the field. So they have a full complement of weapons. They're projected for twenty seven points, which is one of their highest totals uh, in recent weeks. And Miami is a very interesting defense to target because if we look at their raw fantasy points allowed, they're in fifteenth in raw fantasy points. But if we adjust for strength of schedule, they're down at twenty fifth. Uh, and I talked about Brady being due for a, a bounce back. 
He's only accounted for a third of New England touchdowns uh, since week eight over the last six weeks. Usually quarterbacks, uh, even the, the average or below average, they're around the 60% range. Uh, he's tied for the fifth most red zone attempts in that span, and he has zero touchdowns. 26 red zone attempts, zero touchdowns. Even bad quarterbacks are usually around 20% touchdown rate inside the red zone. Uh, so Brady's been throwing the ball near the goal line, just has had some really bad luck for in this recent stretch. And uh, given that Miami is susceptible uh, really all around their, their secondary and against the passing game, but uh, I'm sorry, the rushing game, but New England has running backs that they use very heavily in the passing game. Uh, so I, I like Brady. If if I'm in the playoffs and I've been streaming and been sitting Brady, I'm, I'm going back to Brady this week. I'm starting him confidently in the first round of my fantasy playoffs. Yeah, I actually think he's a, a good play. Uh, no, he's struggled a little bit more on the road than he has at home. But, you know, I haven't projected for 279 passing yards and two touchdowns. And I think most, you know, 18.4, 18.5 fantasy points. I think most owners would take that. Uh, he's got upside from there against this Dolphins defense. He just, just one of those weeks where you have a few guys that are kind of clumped together and mm-hmm. he could be anywhere from, from 10 down to, to 14 based on uh, how I tweak it towards the end of the week. But uh, I'm not, there's nothing that, worries me about this game i mean the weather should be i guess it might be raining there but uh the weather should be fine reasonable uh cold won't be an issue and the defense is not particularly good and he's like you mentioned he's got a completely healthy offense i think the question is does james devlin get two rushing touchdowns again uh my quarterbacks i want to talk about uh josh allen is somebody just to mention 100 and no 234 yards and a touchdown and 22 carries over the last two weeks against the Jags and the Dolphins. Uh, I, I'm actually interested in your DFS opinion about Josh Allen. Do you trust him, or is it is this just like roll the dice with him? 26 points each of the last two weeks. He does have another 26-point game against Minnesota in week three, uh, that upset they pulled in, in Minnesota. And then he's got four games, 13 points or less, including a 1.9er, a 5.4, 5.6 in the opening game against Baltimore. Would you trust Josh Allen if you needed to stream the position this week? Sure. Uh, the The Bills are projected for um, for six points over their point-per-game average, so they're only projected for about 21 points, but they're still a full touchdown over their point-per-game average. They're facing uh, a Jets defense that uh, they've actually been, been quite bad versus the pass, bottom, bottom third of the league in fantasy points per pass attempt uh, over the past six weeks. They don't get after the quarterback near the bottom of the league in um, adjusted sack rate. So given that this passing game all of a sudden with the ascension of, of Zay Jones, he, Josh Allen has a wide receiver that he trusts. Uh, yeah. If I'm in a pickle, I'm, I'm completely fine with starting Josh Allen. And a lot of it has to do with what you mentioned. The, the rushing yardage is such a good floor for quarterbacks. It's a cheat code. You, you can get, more than a touchdown's worth of fantasy points, a fantasy, um, a passing touchdown worth of fantasy points from his rushing alone. Yeah, and he's 32 yards in week two, 39 yards, two touchdowns against the the Vikings in uh, week three. So he's got, it's not just these last two games, He's he does run the little ball a little bit, and he's averaging 48 yards on the, on the season in the rushing game. Uh, the other, uh, Eli Manning, I don't know if I want to talk about I guess I will. He's He's been better on the road than at home. He's averaging like seven, 17.5 fantasy points. 
uh, in six away games this year. The Redskins are pretty beat up defensively. They're 20th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. I think this is a decent spot for him. Do you have anything you want to say about him, or should we move on? Uh, the the only concern I have about this game is what I mentioned earlier that uh, Mark Sanchez could be so bad that it just renders <laughs> the Giants' passing game a little bit useless. Yeah. All right, three uh, three running backs uh, for me. Uh, we talked about uh, who did we talk about? Justin Jackson as your mm-hmm. sneaky start earlier. Let's just talk a little bit about Jeff Wilson and then Jalen Samuels because these are hot names on the waiver wire. I have Wilson ranked fairly high, and I know there are some detractors out there. Uh, my thought process on the ranking is that he saw 23 touches last yeah. week and that was with Breda playing part of that game mm-hmm. getting eight uh touches I think I don't uh I don't think Alfred Morris played at all if I'm remembering correctly he did not uh, I don't know if he was active I have to look at that but this looks like a game where you know maybe Jeff Wilson is not the most talented running back in the world from an athletic profile standpoint, but he he is projecting to get fifteen to twenty touches pretty easily uh, in a Kyle Shanahan offense. And running backs in Kyle Shanahan's offense have been great, uh, very productive. Uh, anytime Braid is healthy, uh, he's been really good. Uh, that's why we like Jerick McKinnon heading into this year. Uh, Wilson, I, I watched all of his touches from last week, and he while he's not the, like the fastest guy in the world he's not going to blow you away with his 40 time he is able to catch the ball uh or get the ball in the handoff and make a cut avoid a tackler and get those six seven eight yards sometimes 15 yards um on any given play and i think he's a pretty safe floor here this week against the, the broncos who have struggled against the run this year they've been a little bit better lately but um you know i think he's a good bet for 20 touches what do you think I, I agree. 43% of, of the team touch share last week, almost half of the team touches. And the the promising thing here, even though San Francisco is an underdog and can find themselves in, in maybe a little bad, bad game script for the running back, he saw nine targets last week. So yeah. he's somebody that is, I mean, if you don't sneeze at 15 to 20 touches with that many targets. Uh, in this situation, you can get... 20 touches probably in your flex spot if you made it this far in the season you're giving yourself a, a, a very uh, safe floor with this with this player here so running back is all about volume and you're getting it from this position and and I don't see a reason if you were able to land him on waivers you should be starting him this week I think my only concern with Wilson is uh, Denver if you know they've, they're so beat up at, run, at wide mm-hmm. receiver that maybe they just go completely run heavy with Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman and they shorten the game and, you know, they get to a point, but they were still running Wilson and using Wilson in the passing game, uh, even when they were way behind last week, the 49ers. So I, I, I think he's one of these, uh, running backs this week that is kind of game flow, uh, proof in, in a way that, you know, he'll be involved as a receiver, even if they fall way behind Jalen Samuels now, uh, Looks like he's going to get the start. He says he's going to be part of a committee, or at least that's what Mike Tomlin said with uh, Stephen Ridley. Uh, how do you think the touch share in this backfield uh, breaks out? Because, I mean, Ridley had not been involved the last few weeks. Uh, Samuels got the five touches with Connor out, uh, two carries for five yards, and then he had the three catches for 20 yards and a touchdown. He's tight end eligible uh, in a couple of uh, at a couple sites. I know Yahoo's one of them. Uh, you think this is going to be a, you know Ridley getting most of the carries and Samuels getting most of the passing game work, or do you think uh, Samuels is a threat for 10, 12 carries as well? Uh, I, I, 
what I th- I think the split is going to happen in the running game. So uh, as far as a touch share, at at worst for Samuels, maybe a sixty forty. But we what we know about the Steelers is they want to use their running backs uh, in the rushing game as well as in the passing game. And traditionally, uh, at least with this iteration of, of Pittsburgh's offense, they've been able to do it with one running back. Uh, even if they don't want Samuels taking on sixty percent of the rushes, I think he'll see uh, the majority of the passing down work and the the Raiders they're bad all around and and it's a team that you can attack on the ground and through the air but you can really do it through the air in Pittsburgh they've had the highest uh, neutral game script passing rate over the last six weeks and I would I would assume that continues on against a Raiders defense that is very susceptible to the pass so for all those reasons I would expect Jalen Samuels to to be the leader in touches with that passing down work uh, and I expect Steelers to score a lot of points in this one. So even if even if uh, Ridley does vulture a touchdown, Samuels has um, he has twenty point PPR potential in this one. Receivers, t- tell me who your sneaky start is this week. I'm going to go really deep on this one just because it's it's uh, opposite of the obvious play. I think uh, Deshaun Hamilton versus San Francisco. I think everybody's going to automatically be looking at, at Cortland Sutton. Um, uh, uh, according to Mike Clay, Deshaun Hamilton has already played 43% of his snaps in the slot. And I mentioned when we talked about the Emmanuel Sanders injury, who's most likely to move into that slot position because it's been uh, such a valuable position for targets and uh, I would assume that it's it's Hamilton that slides in there, and if that happens, he has a very good matchup against San Francisco. San Francisco, as a team, they're last in yards per target, less in fantasy points per target allowed to the slot, and it's very important to look at those team level numbers for the slot because uh, it's it's not always the the slot cornerback that is covering the player that lines up in the slot. Sometimes they they get caught in a package where a linebacker is forced to cover a wide receiver. Oftentimes they'll just move a safety down to cover a wide receiver. So <clears throat> looking at those team numbers is is pretty important there. And San Francisco's been the worst team in the league at covering that position. Yeah, I'm looking at his game log and I'm a little worried from a he's played a lot but hasn't mm-hmm. done much standpoint but sure. you mentioned that Keenum likes to throw to the slot and I'm guessing that his 80% snap share against the uh, Bengals last week he was playing outside uh, with Sanders still mm-hmm. in the slot there so uh, his role is going to change Tim Patrick is going to probably be stepping in on the outside so uh, he, he has to be dirt cheap on DFS as well right just very very cheap minimum near, play. near, yeah. near the minimum and yeah. um, and it, it's it's obviously a risky play but if you again there there's these teams that you you sneak into the playoffs and and uh, obviously not this week you won't be playing the one seed but uh, you could be playing uh, a three seed that is uh, near the top or as good as a one seed and you're you're not looking for floor plays there you need guys that are, are going to hit home runs and and catch up to those very good teams that you're playing against you want to win you want to get to the championship and those are the type of plays that they're going to put you over the top there uh, i would like to mention uh michael gallup mm-hmm. as my sneaky start i just looking at what he did against the the saints five for 76 on seven targets he had six targets the week before against washington was not quite as productive two for 19 um he did have a, against washington in week seven three for 81 on, and a touchdown on five targets i just like the matchup and i like that they're keeping him involved. He's 13 targets over the last two weeks with uh, Mark Cooper in this offense. Uh, the matchup against Philly, they're really beat up in the uh, secondary there. 27th adjusted fantasy points allowed. Uh, two receivers, Philly's probably going to be able to put up some points too on this pretty stingy Dallas defense. So uh, maybe a, 
score some points in this game and maybe uh, Gallup gets a, a touchdown or at least a 70-80 yard game for you. Uh, at the tight end position, uh, who's your sneaky start there? Uh, Vance McDonald, going back to that Pittsburgh Pittsburgh passing attack, I mentioned that they've been passing at one of the highest rates uh, over the last six weeks. Oakland last in fantasy points per attempt and fantasy points per target to tight ends in that span. We have them ranked uh, last in schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed to the position. Uh, Pittsburgh is one of three teams projected by Vegas for over 30 points. And Vance McDonald, he... he does have somewhat limited targets and snaps, uh, right around two-thirds on average uh, snaps per game, and then about five targets per game, which isn't great. But when he is on the field, he's targeted at, at a relatively high rate, a target rate of, of over 13%, which is similar to guys like uh, Jared Cook and George Kittle. So in this uh, offense that could score a lot of points this week, when Vance McDonald is on the field, he has a great matchup. Yeah, touchdowns uh, in Week 10, Week 11, he caught touchdowns, and you know, 10 targets in those two weeks. And then the last two weeks, week 12 and week 13, uh, 12 targets total. So and he's one of these guys that's capable of a hundred yard game. Yeah. Uh, he had, he had one against Tampa, uh, four for 112 and a touchdown and five targets against Tampa. And then last playoff, I think he had something like 11 catches or something in the playoff game. Uh, I want to say it was against Jacksonville, but mm-hmm. maybe my, uh, I don't know if I have a Todd, uh, Todd, I don't know, Sean McVay, Sean McVay, <laughs> Sean McVay type memory. Uh, everybody's marveling about his memory. I don't think I quite have it. I was going to say Todd. Who's it? Todd Todd Monken, maybe I'm thinking of him. Anyway, um, my tight end, uh, sneaky start, I also had Vance McDonald, but TJ took it since I'm a gracious host, uh, is Ian Thomas. Uh, I don't feel like super great about him, but if you're just stuck, if you lost Greg Olson and uh, just dying for for somebody that's going to be on the field, uh, maybe get some targets. Uh, look at him. He had five targets, uh, five catches, 46 yards against Tampa last week, 76% of the snaps. Early in the year, he was playing quite a bit with uh, with Olsen out. He had a couple of games where he had over five targets, uh, three for 20 against Cincy, three for 38, uh, six targets against Giants, nothing to write home about. Uh, but sometimes at this point, you just need somebody who's capable of catching a pass and is playing 70, 80% of the snaps uh, in a decent offense. And I think uh, Ian Thomas fits the bill this week. So anything you'd like to add on Thomas or any other players, uh, sneaky starts? If if you're looking for a sneaky tight end, the, the position's so shallow that a touchdown alone can separate for you from the field if you're streaming. And this is a game uh, against Cleveland where they rank very bad against tight ends and 47 point over under with a spread of just one. So there's shootout potential there. And, and that shootout potential obviously translates to touchdown equity. So if you... After Rob Gronkowski, the the tight end position gets pretty ugly. Joku, Reed, Trey Burton, none of those guys you're going to be excited about. Uh, so why not take take the guy in, in a good matchup in a potential shootout? Yeah, I'd, go, I'd still go with Burton just because I sure I made that call earlier in the podcast. I'm not going to change my mind now. Anyway, you tried you tried to sell me on it, but <laughs> I, I'm not I'm not going to go Ian Thomas over Burton. Anyway, thank you, TJ, for coming on the pod. I appreciate you uh, being here, and a uh, great job this year on the DFS uh, MVP pod. And uh, uh, thanks for coming on in a tight spot here with with Anthony gone. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, good luck to everybody in, in their fantasy playoffs. Hopefully in a couple of weeks we're all bringing home a bunch of championships. All right, that's uh, all the time we have. Be sure to follow TJ. Uh, make sure you call him Tickles on Twitter, at TJ Hernandez. Uh, Anthony should be back next Monday. Uh, for the Monday edition of the uh, Most Accurate Podcast.
See you next time. So if you're guilty and you know it, put your hands up Cause is just a different one for bad luck And what if death is just another parallel cut?